right. Welcome back. Here we are again. Show three. And I'm not going to count every single time we have a show, but this is show three. We're just getting started, and we want you to tell your friends, your sportsman friends about us, all your friends about us. I'm Doug Markham, and this is Tennessee's Wildcast. Sitting right there is Jason Harmon helping produce the show. Behind me is Don King. We're going to get to our guest here in just a minute because he's very important, all right? You're going to like us talking to Bobby today because we're going to talk about a lot of fish. Jason, before we get there, we're only a couple weeks away from an important time of year. Turkey season. Turkey season. You getting ready? Oh, yeah. April 2nd, not too far away, so... April the 2nd. All right. The kids up. go a week before, the weekend before, right? Weekend before is the youth season. Okay. Well, you got a youth. You're not going to take him? Yeah, I might take my boy out. Okay. All get right. him his first turkey, maybe. He's a little young youth, but he yeah, can still go with He'll you enjoy it. Well, it's coming up. The uh, guide is out. It's been out. I want everyone to remember that the hunting guide you get way back there in late summer, early fall, late summer, that's the guide that has your turkey information in it. So remember that. Okay. And the fishing guide is out, too. Okay. Get a copy of that. So you'll be up on the 2016 laws and not the 2015, because that might get you in trouble. This person right here would be the one that might get you in trouble. He wouldn't. No, you wouldn't do that, would you? This no. is uh, Assistant Director of the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency, um, Bobby Wilson. Good morning, Bobby, or hello, Bobby. Hello, Doug. It's good <laughs> to be here with a celebrity like you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Anyway, I don't know where to take that. Uh, anyhow, I didn't know I was around celebrity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where you go, everybody says, you work for TWA. Well, do you know Doug Markham? Yeah. Well, Don. Don's the one that's got real talent back there. So, But it's, uh, it's good to have you in here. Good to be here. And you have done so many things, Bobby. You went to Father Ryan High School. A long time ago. A long time ago. We went to the same high school in Nashville, Tennessee, many years ago. I graduated with your brother. That's right. And the first time I ever saw you, I thought, man, that guy looks like... Chris Wilson, looks like my brother. <laughs> he looks like my brother, your brother. Anyway, you have done many things here, Bobby, and one of the things that you've done, you've done everything you've done is well, but you were chief of fisheries. Well, I think so. You were yeah. chief of fisheries for how many years? I was chief for about five years. And you were assistant for? 13. 13 years. Okay, so you've done a lot of things that have come down the pike with fishing, and we're going to get into that. But before we go there, what's the difference in what you were doing as the uh, chief of fisheries versus what you're doing now. What are you doing now? Well, the the, uh, the workload is a lot more, and, and, and in a good way. In fisheries, I was it was all about fisheries. Now it's law enforcement, boating, uh, environmental services, engineering, fisheries, and wildlife, and then regions. All things equal now. Where you used to think about that fisheries twenty four seven. Yeah, it's it's a lot more than what it used to be, for sure. Yeah, but you also got replaced by somebody that's very good, the assistant right. chief there, and who is that? Frank Fiss. Okay, yeah. so his concentration's all on the fish stuff. Well, oh. Frank is a, he's a whole lot smarter than I am, and he'll do a great job as chief of fisheries. He will, but you know, we're, in a few minutes, we're going to relive some of your, and you're still dealing with it, because you're not that far removed from chief of, of fisheries, and, and you got to deal with it in your new position. We're going to talk right. about the Asian carp in a minute. We're also going to talk about that big largemouth bass that was caught last year in Florida largemouth. But how did you, before we get there, how did you get here, Bobby? What's your background? I know you went to high school, but what made you love the outdoors? You know, it's funny. I grew up kind of West Nashville, and that was an expanding area. So there were a lot of farms and fields and close to the Cumberland River. So I used to go explore all the time, and it got me interested in it uh, when I was a kid. Okay. So just developed from there. Now, is all, all your family like, or were you different from the I, rest of your brothers? Well, different. Uh, they're younger, so I sort of trained them. But my dad did not hunt. Uh, he fished a little bit, so he got me interested in fishing. And, and then I just uh, hunted with some friends when I was in high school. And then when I got to college and majored in wildlife, I, 
realized there was a a a uh, deer hunting phenomena out there that I never even thought about before. Okay, and got into it from there, and still going in it strong. Yeah, oh yeah, still love to hunt, still love to fish. All right, and uh, Jason and I were talking about turkey season coming up. Are you going to get into that? Also, are you mostly a deer fall kind of person no, in fishing? I'm a turkey hunter too. I don't get. I'm not as a fanatic about it as some people. I'll go five or six times, and then still try to go fishing also because that is a really good time of year to go fishing at the same time all right well as we get into almost spring we're in mid-march now we're going to get into spring pretty soon always the time of year where the fishing got going and the new guide came out and you've worked on that guide we we say guide we mean fishing guide not Mm -hmm. booklet not not the guide you take out on the lake with you but correct changes in that thing through the gears uh, as far as making it easier for sportsmen or what's your feelings on i think we've tried to make it easier um in a lot of ways used to be we had statewide just strictly statewide regulations and then we had special exemptions but now we've added all the all the regulations to each body of water that they go to so when they want to go fishing at center hill lake they don't have to go back and look at what the statewide exemption is plus maybe what the what you know any kind of special exemption they can just look at it, it's all right there in one spot are there is that something it seems like in your early years of when you became chief of the fisheries before you, you promoted up to where you are now that you felt like we had reached a point at TWA where we needed to leave limits alone for a little while. Is that a philosophy that, that's still existing? Do you think that we're in good shape with, with our what we have in Tennessee? Yeah, I think we've changed a lot in the last probably 15 years and trying to – it took us a while to get where we need to be as far as the regulations go. I think we're pretty well there for the most part. And, and I asked a question similar to this of Director Carter when he was on here last time. Where do we compare? Where do we stack up against other states, especially nearby states, bordering states? But as far as our fishery goes in Tennessee, where do we are we good? I think we're better, <laughs> obviously. But I mean, we have such a diversity of fisheries compared to the states that surround us. We have a lot of of, of everything. I mean, we have the smallmouth bass that states south of us don't have much. We have muskie, which states south. We have trout that states south of us. And then to the north, we have a lot of uh, in like Kentucky and and. Virginia, we have some fisheries here that they don't have as well. I feel like we're unique, and, of course, I'm not the traveler all the time. I don't go to a lot of other states. There's so much to do here in Tennessee. But we have the Cumberland River system. We have the Tennessee River system and all the tributaries that run into them and all these smaller watershed streams that have small mouth in them. And then we get into the cold water stuff. Mm-hmm. Our other states, do they? I mean, I know our friends down south that have the big tailwaters in Alabama, and we love going down there. But do right. they have the trout and some of the other things that we have up here? No, they don't. They've got winter trout. But that's about it. They don't really have the trout fisheries like we have here in our state. So the only thing we're really missing is a shoreline, which yeah, maybe, maybe you can do. Water. Maybe you can do something about that before <laughs> you're done. So, but that's it. Really, a diverse fishery in this state. Yeah, correct. Really. And and uh, we even have we talk about the trout, and I, I know a lot of guys like to go down below the dams and fish the cold water. But we have a lot of cold waters at least east of here that's got naturally occurring trout in it. Correct. We we, we do, and um, we have of course the native. The only native trout in Tennessee, which is a southern Appalachian strain of the brook trout. They don't get very big, but they're they're cool fish to fish for up in the mountains, and they're fun and exciting to go after one and catch one. Oh, I've always thought the challenge for the ones that do that is, is more about finding them. The challenge yes. is finding them, not not how how big they are. Exactly. That's the real challenge. Right. Okay. All right. Well, a couple of things that are going on. Uh, I want to talk about this Asian carp that we have in Tennessee now, and we're going to show in a few minutes. We're going to get Don to throw up. A little footage to let folks see what Asian carp are. are. But, right. but what's going on? Thank you, Don. What's going on with Asian carp in Tennessee? And um, 
What are we going to do about them? Well, first of all, there's four species of Asian carp, and I won't get into all of them, but the ones that are causing us the greatest concern are the big head carp and the silver carp. And the silver carp is the one that jumps out of the water when it's startled. And that's, that's our number one concern because of not only is it competing with native fish for food and space, but also it's a human health hazard when it's startled and jumps out of the water. Somebody's water skiing or on a jet ski or something. or just going down to the lake in a boat, and they startle when it jumps in could harm could harm them pretty bad okay we were showing you can't see because you're looking at me but we were showing some footage from i think illinois or somewhere where they really apparently have a bad big population of these fish right they're not that bad in tennessee but they they can be okay we're trying to prevent that what happened how did they get here and why are they so prolific the the um the the fish farmers in mostly arkansas missouri and places like that that had catfish farms in the Delta area of the Mississippi River, they put them in there for biological control over plankton and, and things like that. And so uh, when the Mississippi River flooded in the late 80s and 90s, the the, uh, the big head and silver carp escaped into the Mississippi River. They proliferated there, and they migrated through the dams and locks, uh, through the locks of Kentucky Dam and Barkley, and that's how they got in our waters. Okay, and I hope nowhere near as bad as what we just saw, but what are the waters that you consider seriously that have serious potential for becoming bad in our state? Well, outside the Mississippi River and the oxbows and rivers that drain into the Mississippi River, the Kentucky Lake has uh, got a pretty good population of them in mostly the northern part, but they're, they're south too, as well as Lake Barkley, uh, same thing there. But if you want to look at how far we, we're pretty sure they've migrated to, at least the Silver Carp, all the way to Gunnersville Dam on the Tennessee River and then up to uh, up to and into uh, Old Hickory Lake, which up to Baby Cordell Hole Dam. I have, and I, I have seen them some out there, Old Hickory. I think right. I saw one jump against the dam a few years ago, and I saw an angler actually had one on a stringer mm-hmm. around Cheatham Dam right. a couple of years ago. was going to take it home and eat it. So are, did, did they taste good? They're really good eating. They're they're mild. they got a mild taste, and they're white, flaky meat. So they're not like the common carp, which is kind of yellowish, and you know everybody says it tastes like mud. They, they, they feed differently. The common carp feeds like on the bottom, and the Big head silver feet on plankton in the water, so their their flesh is like I said mild. So it depends on what kind of batter that you use. Got a lot of bones in them though, so you got to work around that. Well, and and you probably said it a second ago, Bobby, but it, it, they're bad because they're dangerous. They jump, and when when the, the silver carp jump, but right. also that plankton taking that plankton out of the water. Why is that really bad? Why should anglers be concerned about well, that? They, they compete uh, on commercial fish and native species like paddlefish and buffalo and shad. They they directly compete with them. And also directly compete with our native game fish in the early life stages, like largemouth bass. Mm-hmm. When they're first hatched for the first couple of months, they feed on plankton. They, then they grow into eventually feeding on uh, larger insects and fish. But initially they feed on plankton, so they are directly feeding with them in the early life stages of, of all game fish. That's a bad thing. So how are we going to get rid of them? What's, uh, I know I talked to Director Carter last show about a Chinese delegation being in town and possibly some bright light from that. Yeah, that the uh, <clears throat> the latest information that we have that that the most immediate control or, or not complete control but management, I guess, of of big head and silver carp is through commercial fishing for them. Like I said, the meat tastes really good, so there's a market for them. It's just currently the the processing plants don't really pay a lot of money for Asian carp, and with that, we can set that price at a decent 
cents per pound, like 15 or 20 cents per pound, there'll be a lot more people focusing on that. So if you can get folks, and Ed was talking about, Director Carter was talking about they, the Chinese delegation came here. There's a lot of need for it over in their part, in the Asian part of the world, and you're hoping they set up some kind of factory or business here that ships it back over? That's and correct. maybe that will get the commercial price up? Yeah, that's correct. They're, they're, they've overfished them in, the, in China, in the Yangtze River and Amur River. And so they actually grow them over there in aquaculture. And wow. real popular, and uh, so they're b- abundant here. We'd like to send them over there, or other even here domestically in the United States. And I, and I guess it's not that the angler yeah. might not would eat them. It's just they're not going to bite a hook. Are no, they, they won't bite a hook. You have to just about snag them, or they have to jump in your boat. And then if they have to be big enough, because they, they have a lot of bones in them, like I said, yeah, similar to a buffalo or, or other fish like that. So, you, but if they get a big enough fish, there is a fillet that you can get out of them. That's pretty good. Okay, and, and the predominant, what's more predominant right now, the big head or the silver? Or silver they? carp are, as far as we know, the most predominant. You won't see the big heads because they don't jump. Okay. But, but what we're seeing mostly in commercial fishing as well as what's jumping out of the water, reports from anglers are the uh, the silver carp. Okay. Did you say, did I understand, are there two others, did you say? Well, the grass carp is something we've right promoted for stocking, but they can only be sterile. They can't they can't reproduce now in, in Tennessee. And then... Uh, there's another called the black carp, and it eats snails and mussels. It's kind of, it's kind of late. Johnny, come lately. It's, it's not in Tennessee. It's in the Mississippi River, but we're worried about our mussel population and snail population in Duck River and places it, like that. When you get in the position that you are, anybody in fisheries, there's always a worry, right? There's always that next thing coming down that might really hurt us, and you have to fight it constantly. That's right. It never ends. The zebra mussel comes to mind a few years ago and the concerns we've had with that, but that's right. turned out okay, hasn't it's it? It's not so bad in the <clears throat> upper east part of the of the state where the waters are cooler. They seem to thrive better in the cooler waters, so they haven't, they haven't really proliferated too bad in the warmer waters but up in melton hill and then they're in, they're in norris lake now and i've heard here in cherokee lake they're going to cause problems there all right all right well enough of the not so good news let's talk about the good news let's talk about good stuff all right largemouth bass and smallmouth bass. of course we have the world record here caught out of del hall i think in 1955 11 pounds and 15 ounces but this big girl was caught last year on uh, chickamauga lake we're showing it on the screen kate gabe king <clears throat> Caught this big girl fishing in the wintertime, February 13th of last year. That's a little right. bit over a year. What mm-hmm. about it? Are we going to see more of these? Oh, I think we will. I think the potential is there, and uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind there'll be a bigger one to caught. That's a big fish, and it broke a 60-year record. It'll never happen again. We I didn't. You, I remember you and I talking about it. Neither one of us thought we'd see it in our careers. Right. And by the way, I want to note that this photograph was taken by Richard Sims. Richard over <laughs> there at Chattanooga.com. Richard does a great job. Also a really good catfish guide. We need to get on here sometime. But you you, you do or don't think it will be broken, this record? Oh, I think it will be. Yeah. I think it's imminent. I mean, if it's not broken this month or possibly next month, it'll, it'll probably be another year. But it, it'll happen in February, March, or potentially April, I think, that it'll happen. Okay, when they're full of the, full that of rogue. It's, yeah. it's always a female that's that big. And, and tell us a little bit about the Florida Largemouth Program. How, how did, uh, I know Mike Jolly worked a lot on it uh, over in our Crossful office, worked a lot on this project on Chickamauga and some of the other lakes over there. Tell us, a, at least in a nutshell, when did this program start and where do you see it going? Yeah, we, we actually started in 97 or 98 mm-hmm. and just did some experimental stocking here and there in a few smaller lakes and then it just grew from there and then we we worked with the the folks in the uh, region three office, the, the Crossville office, and they wanted to do something with Chickamauga. Everybody thought that was the best lake to go with because it had the best habitat, best everything that we thought, and started stocking there. Uh, I think around two thousand and 
been stocking ever since. Okay, and you th- did this girl come from that early stocking, you think? It came from uh, what we think was 2003. 2003. And it's a hybrid. Okay. So which is pure Florida. It's what does that mean? cross between one of the pure Floridas that we stock and one of the native largemouth bass that we're in the lake. Okay, and that gets into, I don't need to go too much into y'all's world, but hybrid vigor or something like that. Yep, hybrid vigor. They grow faster. They grow bigger. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. And so the program, I know um, last year there's a lot of pressure on the wildlife division. Pardon me, the fisheries division. I was going to do that with you, Bobby, on the fisheries division to put more of these fish out there. What did the fisheries division decide to do? They, we thought hard and long about this because we didn't want to put them just helter-skelter everywhere. We wanted to put them where we thought they would do the best, and we, we, can't, we have a limited number. We depend entirely on the southern states of Florida, Louisiana, and Texas to give us the fry to stock mm-hmm. we, we get the fry in and raise them to about maybe an inch and a half two inches long and then stock them back out they we get them early so they have a size advantage over the native spawn they'll survive better that was the idea behind that and we also looked at the habitat and since the tennessee river has already got a pretty good population of of florida bass from chickamauga and drifting downstream to nickajack and at the state of alabama stocking gunnersville and they stock wheeler it only made sense to continue on with the Tennessee River system and the habitat as well as the genetics there, too. Okay, somebody was tweeting the other day, too. Pickwick, were we putting some in the, We're in not the upper yet. part? Yeah. But it has been discussed with because Pickwick is joined with Alabama and Mississippi and Tennessee that we've we've had discussions with those states about possibly stocking Florida bass there. Of course, I'm in Middle Tennessee. The Cumberland River runs right through it. Yeah. And because we're in Middle Tennessee, um, are we going to I, – I get those questions. Are we going to put them in the Cumberland River system at some time, or have we decided just to keep them over in that – what I think is a warmer Tennessee River system? All right. Well, for now, at least we're, we're going to keep them in the Tennessee River system. Better habitat, better – like you said, better – it's a little bit warmer. Uh, the genetics are better there. The Cumberland River's got a, a pure, almost a pure uh, makeup of northern largemouth bass. The habitat's not as good. It's cooler. We would – and plus the number of fish that we get. We want to – we want to put our fish where we think they'll do the best. Okay, and hatcheries, are, are we going to start putting them in our hatcheries or raising them in our hatcheries, or are we going to continue to buy them from other states? Well, we're not buying them. We're getting them for free. But we're also uh, – uh, Pardon me? But, uh, but also at, uh, at Humboldt Fish Hatchery, we, are, we have a, uh, a building that's already being constructed as well as raceways to have it's, – it's basically our Florida bass uh, hatchery at Humboldt Fish Hatchery. We're going to be doing our own there pretty soon. And that means spawning them early. Uh, control the water temperature so they spawn early they're, they're, it, uh, as opposed to spawning naturally when it's cold. So you don't think we'll be waiting another 60 years or 40 years or however long it was to see somebody else holding one of these things again? Oh, Lord, no. Where's, this, where's the limit? Where's the sky, Bobby? When are we going to get up? We Is know it 1820? That, we know that uh, one was shocked, electrofish of pure Florida, 17 pounds. 17? Browns Creek Lake back in 2009 in October. So we know they can get that big. When are we going? Yeah. All right, Bobby. I really appreciate you being on. And I want to get you back, uh, Bobby Wilson, the uh, chief, the assistant. Here I go, Bobby, messing up with you. (laughs) Former chief of fisheries and now assistant director for the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Thank you, Doug. Uh, You do a great job, Bobby. I appreciate it. it. Jason? How about the next show on the water? We'll see if we can catch one of those. I think that's a real good idea. (laughs) Thank you for your work, Jason. I love those ideas. Don King sitting behind us. Thank you for your work today. Remember, everybody, tnwildlife.org. If you want to follow us on Facebook and tweet right there, tnwildlife.org, you can find us. We'll be back here next week with a new show, but we're always here with Tennessee Wildcast. See everybody.